We're uh, presently looking um, at a series in the Gospel of Grace. And this morning, uh, we're going to be in Romans chapter 6. Romans uh, chapter 6. Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, arguably the the greatest preacher of the last century, said that Romans 6 is the most powerful releasing chapter in the whole Bible. Uh, Now, that's quite a a thing to say when you think of the whole Bible. Uh, So this is a very, very important chapter for uh, the enjoyment of the Christian life. And hopefully, we'll be able to helpfully open it up uh, uh, to you as we go through it this morning. So Romans uh, chapter 6. And we saw last week, just to to give the setting, that we reign in life through the abundance of grace. And the free gift of righteousness, that God just gives us righteousness. When we believe him, he declares us righteous as a gift. That's that's why we celebrate Jesus so much. That's why we sing about him so much. All of our guilt, all of our shame has been taken away. And we've been given a positive righteousness as a gift. You don't You don't have to deserve it. You don't have to produce it. It's simply given to you. And that's what we looked at uh, last week. And then chapter 6 starts with perhaps an obvious question. So if God's happy to call us righteous, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin, still live in it. But you do not know that, do you not know that all of us who've been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried and therefore with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we've been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ... We believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Let not sin, therefore, reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Don't present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life, and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you, since you're not under law, but under grace. What then? Are we to sin because we are not under law, but under grace? By no means. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone who is as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or to, of obedience, which leads to righteousness? 
But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed and having been set free from sin have become slaves of righteousness. I am speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. What fruit were you getting at that time from the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit, of, the, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Father, thank you for the joy of, of gathering us in your name. Thank you for the wonder of who you are. Thank you for the good news of the gospel. And we ask, Father, right now for the Holy Spirit to lead us into truth. Come, Holy Spirit, uh, be our teacher. Uh, lift us beyond mere words. Uh, lead us into truth. Transform us by your word, we pray. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. And so Paul has taught us, as, as we saw uh, last week, that through what Jesus accomplished for us on the cross, all of our sin is forgiven, washed away. We are declared righteous. And that then raises a question, which Paul, Paul's letter here doesn't ignore. Hey, if that's the case, if God's happy to call us righteous simply because of what Jesus has done, uh, shall we carry on sinning then? I mean, why not just carry on? If God's happy to say, you know, to, to say we're righteous, hey, we can do that. And he answers it pretty quickly. The old King James Version says, God forbid. Here it says, by no means. No, certainly not. Now, we don't often hear people, you know, we don't have people that will slip up to us in church and say, hey, shall we carry on sinning then? But you can get kind of the flip side of, of that, like, how do you actually stop sinning? I mean, the Christian life's about living a different kind of life. You were darkness, you're now light in the Lord. We're meant to be transformed people, actually transformed, actually changed. So how does it happen? How do you actually stop sinning? And Paul's going to tell us how. Uh, what, is, what is the part I have to do? What is the part God does? How do you actually stop sinning? How are you actually changed? And the image that he, he uses going down into death and being raised from the dead, it's, it, it, it's rather like what happened back in the Exodus. Uh, the Jewish people were in slavery they had no freedom at all, and, and God saw their pain and, and amazingly arranged to deliver them. He, he raised up Moses, and, and what we call the exodus took place. 
And what happened, first of all, was the Passover. So God judged the sin of Egypt. Egypt had been cruel. They'd been uh, merciless. They were crushing the Jewish people. And God said, I'm going to judge them. And he sent several plagues. And the last plague, the most horrific plague, was this. The firstborn of every family would die. The angel of death would sweep across through Egypt. But the people of God, Israel, were told this. They were told to take a lamb. It had to be a, a, a perfect lamb, spotless, no disease. And they had to kill the lamb and put the blood over, over their doorposts. And God said, when the angel of death sweeps through the nation, when I pass through the nation, where I see the blood, I will pass over. God said, I will take the blood of the lamb as a substitute. Your firstborn will not die There'll be no death in your home because the lamb died in your place. And of course, that is all preparing us for our Christian salvation, pointing us toward the Lord Jesus Christ, the lamb of God who takes away our sin. And they were to remember, they, they were to celebrate this Passover every year. Every year, they remember the blood that was shed and the victory and the freedom that they enjoyed. So the Passover was established in their nation. We're we're a forgiven people because a lamb has died in our place. But if you follow the story, you find, hey, we're forgiven. Isn't that wonderful? Now God is going to deliver them from Egypt. And as they go on their way, they are shut in by the Red Sea. The Red Sea blocks the way. They're, they're, there's no way forward. They're locked in. And, and, then, and, and then they look over their shoulder, and here comes the army of, uh, of Egypt. Here comes their, their slave master. Oh no, our slave master. Although we've been forgiven, we're still slaves, really. We're still slaves. And you know, not a few Christians feel in it live exactly that way. Thank you so much for forgiving me, but I'm still a slave. Is there, is there any freedom? Can you actually stop that lifestyle? Can you actually be changed? And what happened, of course, as they, they came to that Red Sea was to their utter amazement and wonder, Moses held out his staff and the sea opened and they just walked through it on dry land. And when their slave masters tried to pursue them in their chariots and the powerful uh, army, they were destroyed. They really were saved. They really were free. They had been rescued from slavery as well as from guilt. And that's what Romans 6 is built on. Paul is telling us here in Romans 6, you can be actually free. Actually free. Now how? Well, Jesus said this, you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. It's knowing what has happened that's going to free us. And Romans 6 tells us what has happened. Now, some people have have just said, well, you know, don't, you know, don't, don't keep striving. That, you know the famous little phrase that you sometimes hear among Christians, just let go and let God, right? It sounds good, doesn't it? It sounds very relaxing anyway, but it's not in the Bible. It's not a Bible teaching. 
Romans 6 is very explicit. It, if it was just let go and let God, I mean, Paul could have finished with that, couldn't he? You know, just let go and let God, goodbye, love Paul, end of letter. But it's not. He, he spells it all out how it takes place. There are th- some things you need to know and there are some things you need to do. So let's see what, what he says. He says, do you not know, straight away, verse 3, do you not know that all of us who've been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Okay, so let's just look at that. First of all, he says, all of us, right? Something has happened to all of us that we need to know about. Not just some of us. It's not just some special Christians who've actually overcome some very holy Christians. You know, uh, there are, you know, you know the, the terrible sinners, and then there are kind of the average Christians, and then the special Christians. It, does not, it doesn't say that. It does not say that. It says all of us who've been baptized into Christ. That means have become one with Christ. It's not particularly emphasizing baptism here in the Bible. If you you became a Christian, you were baptized, the two go together. But the point here really isn't about baptism. The point is about being in Christ. All of us who've been baptized into Christ have been crucified with him, have died with him. It's, It's happened to all of us. In other words, you're either in Adam or you're in Christ. And if you're a Christian, you're in Christ. And if you're in Christ, then when he was crucified, you were crucified with him. That's what it's telling us. That's what's happened to all of us. And notice this. It's all in the past tense. Right? So what I'm, I'm preaching here this morning is, is, is not that when you, you, you leave at the end, you say, oh, I must try and get into that. No, no, it's making a statement. It's, it's an announcement. It's happened. It's history. It's already happened. Now, 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 what I'm hoping is that as we go through it, we will know it in a way that, that maybe we didn't know it before. You know, I, I, I know how to step into it in a, in, a, in a more freer way, but it's already true. That's... That's, that's the, the way he's telling it. It's something that has happened to us. Our death to sin is something that has already happened. It's not something that's going to happen. It's not something that I want to encourage you to go for. No, no, no. The Bible says it's happened. We have died with him. We have been crucified with him. It's not something that's going to happen, but something that has happened. You, you, you might say, well, well, I don't feel very dead to sin. That, that's not ex- act, you know, exactly the best description of me. I, I don't feel like I have died to sin. Well, let me ask you this. How many of you believe that two men were crucified uh, with Christ? Show of hands. Right? Lo- loads of people. Why do you believe it? Why do you believe that two men were crucified with Christ? One on the right hand and one on on the left. The only reason you believe it is because the Bible tells you so. There's no no other proof. There's no other thing that, that tells you that's true. The Bible tells you two men were crucified with Christ. The same Bible tells you you were crucified with Christ. 
You've got the same reason for believing it. The Bible says something amazing has happened to us, something very releasing has happened to us. That's the truth of the Word of God. It has happened. And this is what it's, it's all about, that we believe God. That's what, I mean, that's what a Christian is, a believer. That's how it started. God, God came to Abram, said to Abram, you will be called Abraham. You're going to be the father of multitudes. And it says this, Abraham believed God. He didn't say, come on, I haven't produced one yet. He didn't look at himself. God said, you're going to be the father of multitudes, and he believed God. And God wants us to believe him when it, when, when it says in the Bible, our old man, our old self was crucified with Christ. So we believe it because God says it's true. So our steps are these, three steps. First is this, know it's true because God says it's true. And there's no greater authority. There's no greater power in the whole universe. God says we were crucified with Christ. We need to know it's true because God says it's true. Jesus on the cross died and I died with him. That, that old power, that captivity, that thing that holds you ensnared, that thing, can I ever be freed from? Like the Israelites seeing the Egyptians, oh I'm, oh, I'm still a captive. No, no, no. You go through death, you come out the other side. And you say, how many Egyptian soldiers got through? Not one. I'm free. And friends, that's, that's true for you. You don't have to give in to constant gossip. You don't have to give in to you know, get, giving in to anger. You don't keep, have to keep having lustful thoughts. You don't have to be held captive by pornography. He who has died is freed. God says it's true, therefore it is true. This is the gospel. This is the, the good news that's in this passage. You are free because Christ died in your place. And when he died, not only were you forgiven, but the power of sin in you died with him. Now the next step is this, verse 11. First of all, it says, know it because God says it's true. Then the second step is verse 11, so you also must consider yourselves dead to sin. Right? You have, to, you have to think it. Now, it's not, Daryl, are you saying it's mind over matter? No, I'm not saying it's mind over matter. The word consider here, Paul often used, you know, borrows words from, you know, the world of the law courts. Uh, he, the word justify is a legal word. He, he borrows it from the law court. He, he, he took that word and says, we are justified. We are justified. But he borrows this word consider from the world of accountancy. It really means account it. It literally means put it in the right column. You know, you don't want an accountant that puts the number in the wrong column. Put it in the right column. So first of all, know it's true because God says it's true. Secondly, consider it to be true. That's the next step. It's something that we have to learn to do. By the renewing of our mind, we line up with truth. We get it in the right column. Think clearly, don't think wrongly. You see, some Christians are always talking about how they're still such sinners. 
But the Bible says don't think like that. The Bible says consider yourself dead to sin. That's what we have to do. We have to consider it. But it, 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 you know, it's not like, oh, I just have to think it more. If only I could think it more. Oh, no, I'm, I, oh, no, I'm just as bad. Okay, I'll try harder. Try harder. Think it. Think it. Now, think of it, like, think of it this way. Think of the experience I had uh, the first time that I flew from the East Coast to the West Coast, where I flew from Toronto to Vancouver. And as we fly in and land, the pilot comes on and says, welcome to Vancouver, where the, the, the time is 4 o'clock. And I look at my watch, and it says 7 o'clock. I think, no, it's, it's, it's 7 o'clock. Welcome to Vancouver. The time is 4 o'clock. You know, it's still going. He's wrong. It's 7 o'clock. No, no, the reality is this. When you're in Vancouver, it is 4 o'clock. It's a different time zone. I'm in Vancouver. Change my thinking. Line up with reality. As you travel between time zones, you have to keep changing your watch to line up with reality. In Christ, you are free from sin. Line up with the reality. It's not trying to make it happen. It's lining up with what is true. I heard the story recently of someone who had been told that they had MS. Uh, they were told that they had MS. They were told that they would go downhill. They, t- they were told they'd be in a wheelchair. And after a while, this guy, he, he was in a wheelchair. And, and, just, and then several years, I mean, I mean years later, he, he, he went to a doctor. And this doctor searched more, uh, more thoroughly and said, you don't have MS. But I've been told, no, you don't have MS. He got up out of his wheelchair and started walking around. He was perfectly all right. I mean, it was not some miraculous healing. He was just facing the reality. He was living in a wrong reality. Hey, the reality is I haven't got it. And this is what the Bible says. First of all, know. Know that when Jesus died, all those who are in him died with him. God put us in Christ, then put Jesus to death, then raised him up from the dead and raised us up with him. And we're now new creations in Christ. We've become a new person. We've become something new, radically new. And, and, and friends, half the problem for many Christians is believing what God says is actually true. Instead, we live on half-truths. We listen to, to Satan, who is the accuser of the brothers and sisters, who tells us what a mess we are. And sadly, many Christians will also tell you what a mess you are, and, and we're all a mess, really. No, 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 the Bible tells us that isn't the case. And the way we walk into freedom, friends, is knowing your new identity and then living it out. God hasn't burdened you simply with, with rules to live by. We already saw that last week, that the law is an impotent husband. It doesn't impart any life. It gives me rules. And some Christians just get, they just get confused and they're just trying to keep the rules. They think we can't win, but there's a lot of rules we need to, to keep up. And that's not the gospel. The gospel is Jesus died to set me free. Stand free. Firm, therefore, in the freedom that Christ has given us. 
comes from knowing what happened. So Paul takes time here to say know it, and then secondly, consider it to be true, because we have to keep on considering it. We have to keep on, hey, get this in the right column. We need to arrest our thinking sometimes. We need to put on the breastplate of righteousness when Satan, who was our enemy, Ephesians chapter 6, says, look, be strong in the Lord. Put on the whole armor because he's going to keep buffeting you. And so you put on the breastplate of righteousness. You cover your heart. Oh, I'm such a failure. No, I put it on righteousness. I put on salvation. I put truth around me. This is how we, we, we fight, friends. It, it, let, the sh- let the truth shape us, hold us. And then we live in the good of it. So knowing it and considering it. And then the third thing, and I said at the beginning that there are some things we need to know and then some things we need to do. So the third thing is in verse 12. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Don't present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. So first, know it's true. Secondly, consider it to be true. Thirdly, take responsibility. It says here, for your mortal body. Now, why do you think he says mortal? I mean, why doesn't he just say body? Why is the word mortal in there? Well, perhaps he's reminding us that though my soul is saved, though I have a a new heart and a new spirit within me. The Bible tells me plainly that we are going to get a new body, that our salvation is a complete salvation. But that's future. We're, we're going to have a new body one day, but that's future. So I've got this, right now I've got this new man actually still living in this old, old body. And so Paul is saying, don't let the members of your body, don't hand over the members of your body as instruments of sin. Take responsibility. You know, when we, when we worship, the, music, the musicians pick up their instruments. Music needs instruments, if you like. Well, sin needs an instrument. And, and when you were a sinner, because you're now a saint, but when you were a sinner, you used to use the members of your body. You used to look at things you shouldn't look at. You used to listen to stuff that you should never listen to. You said stuff that you should never say. You touched things that you should never have touched. These, these, were, these were instruments. Now, Paul says, look, you've, you've now got a new person on the inside. So take responsibility for the instrument. I've changed you from the inside. Take responsibility. Take action. Don't hand over. Don't just yield back. Don't let your body tell you what to do. You're a free person now, but take responsibility. Take responsibility from your position of freedom. And that, if you like, is where the battle is. You, you deal with things that drag you down. You, you don't let it happen anymore because inside you are a new creation. God has done something on the inside. We are a new people. Sin, listen, sin is not eradicated. I'm not teaching perfectionism. But I'm saying we have a new person. And we have a battle to fight. But from a position of victory that Jesus has given us. 
And it's so important to understand what the Bible says. It doesn't say let go and let God. It doesn't say here's a bag of rules. It says you are a new person. Now take responsibility for it. Don't make provision for the flesh. Don't make provision for the flesh. Uh, you may have heard the story of the lady who said to her son, you're not to go swimming. Uh, he said, okay, mom, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not going swimming. No, you're not going swimming. Okay, no, I'm not going swimming. And then she gets on the phone and her little boy leaves the house with his, with his towel and his bathing suit. And, and she says, and what are you doing? I told you, you're not to go swimming. No, 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 I'm not going swimming. Well, what are you taking that for then? Well, in case I get there and the temptation is so great. That is making provision for the flesh. Make no provision. Make good choices. That's what we have to do. There are certain places that it's wise not to go. There are certain websites it's wise not to click on. There are certain Netflix programs Netflix programs that it's wise not to watch. It says in the book of Proverbs that the fool goes down a certain path. It makes a statement. It says there's a road that a prostitute lives on. It says the wise man goes a different way. Now the foolish man says, no, that's the quickest way. I want to get from A to B. That's the quickest way. Yeah, the prostitute's there, I know, but that's the quickest way. The wise man will go another way. You make choices. You don't go to the coffee break at the t- same time she does. Why? Well, you know, she's, she's coming on to me at work. You know, it's, it's, it, 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 it's kind of flattering. Don't have coffee at the same time. Make wise choices. How did your marriage break up? Well, I don't know. We just kind of got thrown together. You, you didn't just get thrown together. You made very silly choices. Take responsibility. You are not a helpless sinner. You are a Christian. God has changed us from the inside. So we present our bodies as instruments to God. Notice what it says there here in in verse 17. It says, you were slaves to sin. That's what you used to be. Now you have become slaves of righteousness. You used to be slaves of sin. Now you're a slave of righteousness. It's like righteousness is now your master. Righteousness is now where you feel comfortable. Righteousness is where you feel, hey, this is who I am. And that's why when you do sin, you say, oh, God, I should never have done that. I never used to feel that way when I was a sinner. I never used to feel that way when I, when I was a sinner. I used to go and, and, and boast. You should have been with us at the, at the weekend. Man alive, it was outrageous. Now if I sin, I say, oh God, I'm so sorry. Why? Because my identity's changed. I'm actually a slave of righteousness. Righteousness is where I feel at home. God has done a miracle in you and me. We used to be slaves to sin. We were in that bondage. But thanks be to God, verse 17, that you who, who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed and having been set free from sin have become slaves of righteousness. That's who we are, friend. 
I so often want to say to Christians, listen to the gospel, hear the good news, understand what God has done. God has changed us, radically changed us. And the more we believe that, that I'm in Christ, that I'm in him, he's in me, that we're in this deal together, we will begin to live in the reality that he has indeed set me free. The Apostle John says in 1 John, I write these things to you that you may not sin. He that is born of God, he says, doesn't sin. He that is born of God doesn't sin. And then he adds this in the same letter, the the same letter. We heard it uh, in our assurance of grace. But if anyone does sin, if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father. And if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to, to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. In the same letter, he's saying, he that's born of God doesn't sin. I'm writing this to you so that you will not sin. That's the expectation. But if, if anyone sins, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us. In other words, I heard someone put it this way. It's like you go home to a big house. You've got, you've got this house that you can hardly believe is your home. It's wonderful. It's got these wonderful steps up the front and, you know, beautiful uh, big windows and doors. Oh, wow, it's your, this is your home. This is where you live. But this house has also got a kind of fire escape. So the front door is if any man is born of God, he doesn't sin. He that's born of God doesn't sin. That's the front door. That's the way we live. It's also got a fire escape. If I sin, if I sin, I have an advocate with the Father. If I confess my sins, he's faithful and just to forgive my sin. Sometimes there are things that need to be confessed and cleansed. But listen, God has declared us righteous. He, he, he said there's, there, there, there's a good tree and a bad tree. And, 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 and the good tree produces good fruit and the bad tree produces bad fruit. Listen, Christians are not bad trees trying like anything to produce good fruit. No, God's radically changed us. He's given us a new identity. He's made us good trees. That's what the Bible says. So we believe it, friends, and we take it and to ourselves. God wants us to, to know what he's done for us. The law can't do it. The law makes nothing holy. Rules and regulations can't change me. I need a new identity. And God's given me a new identity. And I need to live, live from that identity. Know it's true. And consider it to be so. Transformed by the renewing of my mind. Line up with reality. Believe what God says is true. And then take responsibility. Make good choices. You were darkness. You're now light in the Lord. That was your identity. You were darkness. You are now light in the, in the Lord. So now live as children of the light. John Bunyan wrote this little poem. He said this. Run, John, run. The law demands, but give us ni- gives us neither legs nor arms. Better news the gospel brings. It bids us fly 
and gives, it bids you fly and gives you wing. Run, John, run, the law demands, but gives you neither legs nor arms. Better news the gospel brings. It bids you fly and gives you wing. See, if it doesn't give us wings, we're in trouble. See, it's an identity thing. I mean, imagine, um, imagine this box. Um, uh, imagine this box is, is a pig. I know it doesn't look like a pig, but it's a, it's, it's a pig, okay? So that's your identity. You're a, you, that's your identity. I'm a pig. And here is your calling in life. Fly. You see, I've just made a miserable pig. He was happy while his identity and calling were lined up. But now, pig, fly. I'm going to be a miserable pig the rest of my life. Unless you change me. But if you change me, the better news the gospel brings, it bids me fly and gives me wing. You say, but... But there are these temptations that I feel like, feel like kind of like a ten pin. I'm standing there, okay, until the ball comes down. And every time, every time I do it again, and I think, oh, dear, I've done it again. You think, I, I've just got this temptation that's too great. I just can't win against this temptation. You know, it's just one that's too hard for me. Paul says, there is no temptation but such as is common to man. There is no temptation but such that is common to man. Could mean that everyone gets it, or it could mean that it's man size, common to man. It's not, it's not king size. Oh, here comes my king-sized uh, temptation. No, no, it's man size. And God says, he will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able to endure. So some temptations were tempted to go, oh, I can't, oh, I can't help myself. Actually, you can, because God's made us free. We don't have to yield. This is the good news, friends. Grace declares us righteous as a gift and actually frees us from the power of sin. So as verse 14 says, so sin will have no dominion over you. That's God's assessment. Sin will have no dominion over you since you're not under the law, but under grace. Amen? Let's pray for gracious Father, we thank you for the good news. Uh, we thank you that it's, it's not good advice. It's good news. And thank you, Father, that we're no longer in Adam. Thank you that we're no longer married to the law. Thank you that we're no longer slaves to sin. Father, thank you that we are now in Christ. Thank you that we're now married to Christ. Thank you that we're slaves to righteousness. And Father, I do pray for everyone who's hearing my words that, Lord, they would embrace this truth, enjoy the wonder of it, celebrate what you've done for us. In Jesus' name.